I say it all the time, a tool is only as good as how well you can use it. Absolutely. And it cuts through a lot of the, so you know sometimes if you're going to go learn something new mm -hmm. and you're going, to go, you're going to go through some training, um, there's, a, there's a, a learning curve there. Of course. What's really cool about watching somebody or, or being trained by somebody that can actually sit and walk the talk and show you, not just tell you, mm -hmm. is that it cuts through the learning time. It cuts through the barriers where people will say, well, you know, my customers are different or my dealership's different. I have the privilege of going across the country and I'll go to Western Canada, I'll go to Eastern Canada, I'll go <laughs> Quebec. I cover yep. Quebec, je parle français aussi, so I cover all of Quebec. <laughs> oh, wow. And, you got a hell and, of a size of territory. So then. it's a big territory, but what's interesting, I hear it all the time, you know, we're different, we're different. But here's the thing, we can sit in a chair in any province and we can show. Sure. And then when we show and, the, and we produce the results, we show that process is process and customers' expectations really aren't different. This is the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason, Jason Harris. Well, Derek, thank you so much for taking your time to come jam with me. You know, My we're pleasure. here thank right you. now at the Ace Expo in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Yes, um, the Canadian side. The Canadian side, yes. Right. We have to actually make sure people know that we're on the Canadian side. Yeah. It is the prettier <laughs> side. Just, it is. No. Yeah. no offense to the <laughs> American side. We're going to get comments about this down below, I can guarantee it. Yeah. Um, I, I watched your presentation today. You know, I, I think it was absolutely amazing. Thank uh, you. I'd really like to deep dive into that. Sure. But before we kind of get into that, for uh, people out there that um, don't know what you do with SimTech sure. and kind of how you got started in the industry, if we kind of get that, you know, that origin story that is Derek. Yeah, sure. No, I, actually, uh, not a problem. So, been in the industry now probably about 21 years, and uh, got started. Uh, actually, my wife was in the industry first, and as I always say, I was actually in high tech prior to this. But uh, of course the internet was coming and everyone knew that that was just gonna be a fad. So I got out of high tech and uh, got into automotive. No. And, uh, and then sold cars, but been in automotive for quite some time and uh, pretty much did all the, the gamut of all the different positions from sales, used car manager, new car manager, general manager, general sales manager, then dealer partner. And uh, so, and, and a lot of it in the, in the used side. So used superstores, uh, I was part of Car Canada when that was uh, launching uh, back in the 90s. And uh, I also had the privilege of working with Jerry Barg of Barg Auto Group for over eight years as well. So a lot of used car that turned into a new car uh, stores and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, so been in the industry quite some time. And then um, one day I had uh, an opportunity to come to Simtech Dealer Services, which is on the other side of the fence. Which is an F. It is literally the, on the other side of the fence. Literally, isn't that funny? We do have a fence. It's like you have the dealer world, and then you got That's the right. vendor world. But I'm, I come from a small mill town, so I actually literally grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> so I know what that's like to have to cross over once in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, so joined SimTech now. I've been here almost nine years. Um, the executive vice president, and uh, really, the the thing about SimTech Dealer Services, it's uh, just an amazing uh, company. Due to the fact that our focus is, we're an F&I product provider, yep. but our focus is on actually delivering performance to our dealers. And when I say that, I mean through training, through proper process. Um, our, whole, our whole focus is about process and training. And we do things a little differently, actually. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll share what I mean by that is we train by showing, not by telling. So my business card actually has my OMBIC number on it because every one of our field, we have the largest field team in the country. And our field team, every single one of them can sit down and do a TO anywhere and take a customer. Um, oh, that's so, ingenious. So that well, it, it shows you guys are real practitioners. Absolutely. You know, it's they, not just they, talk. It's not just talk. And, yeah. and I think that's really important on the vendor world because unfortunately, let's just face it, there's a lot of people in the vendor world that don't have that practical experience. And, and they talk from a place that I say, un, un, unfortunately, it's just, 
they probably shouldn't be, to be honest with you. You know, and, and I, I, you were on the other side of the desk. I was on the other side of the desk with my Mitsubishi dealership. I think it's so funny how we yeah, literally crossed gaps there. You you started the Mitsubishi dealership that I actually ended up buying. And it's like that's crazy. That's a cool link, though. <laughs> Isn't that that's funny? Actually really cool. Like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, but but being on that other side of that fence, yep. it's just you know for the most part, you know vendors pretty much provide the value in their product or the service and don't normally go much beyond that. And that's because a lot of it is, I mean, a lot of it is because they're product focused. Yes. And, uh, and I mean, don't get me wrong, some of the, you know, there's great vendors out there and some of them uh, will focus on some training and that kind of thing. But the, uh, the, one, the one big difference is, is when you have the ability to, so let me back up, our product is performance. Yep. Well, if we don't know how to use it, if we don't know how to use our own product, so think of it like that. No, that's a fair so, way to so look at it. So our product is performance, and if we don't know how to use our own product, then, then what are we selling? I say it all the time, a tool is only as good as how well you can use it. Absolutely. And it cuts through a lot of the, so you know sometimes if you're going to go learn something new, mm-hmm. and you're going, to get, you're going to go through some training, um, there's, a, there's a, a learning curve there. Of course. What's really cool about watching somebody or, or being trained by somebody that can actually sit and walk the talk and show you, not just tell you, mm-hmm. is that it cuts through the learning time. It cuts through the barriers where people will say, well, you know, my customers are different or my dealership's different. I have the privilege of going across the country and I'll go to Western Canada, I'll go to Eastern Canada, I'll go <laughs> Quebec. I cover yep. Quebec, je parle français aussi, so I cover all of Quebec. <laughs> oh, wow. And, you got a hell and, of a size of territory. So then. it's a big territory. But what's interesting, I hear it all the time, you know, we're different. We're different. But here's the thing. We can sit in a chair in any province and we can show. Sure. And then when we show and, the, and we produce the results, we show that process is process and customers' expectations really aren't different, even though the language might be different, the territory might be different, demographics are different, and that cuts through a lot of that. Where it does. If you train traditionally, you have to wait, you have to, you have to reinforce. You have to not just train, you have to reinforce the training, and then that takes a lot longer. So, it, it, so imagine pro- more like a speedy way of getting people to, to develop faster. Yeah. And you have to do that through process. I mean, Absolutely. it really does. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that process comes first, product comes second. Correct. Right? I mean, yep. if, if we try to put the product first and then expect the product is going to develop a process, it don't happen. No. Products don't have these magical abilities just to go, you're fixed. Correct. You know, it, it, we actually have to develop the process and then move back towards the product Absolutely. and make that product actually fit it. I, you know, you talked a lot today, actually, in your in your speech about the process and how it's kind of evolved. And yep. you mentioned a little bit earlier, and I thought was really kind of key, is the customer's expectation. I don't believe right now that in for a lot of dealerships, not not all, not all, okay, but but for a fair, I would say a fair amount of dealerships out there, the process and the customer's expectation are not in sync. Well, and part of that is because if you're using old process, right? Yeah. So part of my presentation, I did a little history lesson. I talked about you know uh, Mr. Jim Moran, and I talked a little bit about you know the F and I office and mm-hmm. its original intention, which was just an upsell office. Yep. And then eventually it, it, it evolved into more than that. So the challenge is, is that um, it's it's it continues to evolve, but the more traditional model was more about how we want to sell and not how people want to buy. Mm, and, and that's, that's the, probably the best way I've actually heard it explained before. That that totally makes sense. And that's what's changing. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on how people want to buy. Uh, we use a saying, it's actually very true, and I've seen it, and that is uh, people will buy more from you than you could ever sell them if you just let them. And that is we don't <laughs> let them. We get yeah. in our own way. We're salespeople. We want to add value. We want to talk about the product. We want to get into all kinds of descriptions and brochures. 
when sometimes the customer already knows a lot about the product and all they need is a really good um, a presentation or a really good option to be shown to them. Sure. And then they can choose on their own. But we don't do that. Uh, no. We don't do that as, as much as we could or should. I find because our process, and I'm really kind of referring to the older process, was a very, was a very self-serving process. The, the process was Correct. literally designed with my goals, my intentions, my profitability yeah. line. We never really developed that process for the customer. Well, and part of that too, there's another distinct difference that I, that is very different between the U.S. and Canada when it comes to F&I. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you one of the reasons is, uh, you probably saw a stat I put up there, and that's over 70% of dealers, general managers, and sales managers don't know their current process when it comes to F&I. You know what? When you put that up there, I literally did one of these. I looked all the way around, <laughs> and, and, and I did. I just I wanted, I wanted to see. I wish I was standing up front where you were and looking into the audience because I wanted to see what everybody's... What, what they look sure. like, what their face was when you said that, because you're 100% right. Oh, yeah. Uh, In I, fact, it, if I take... Uh, it, I was, it was beautifully well done. But if I take general manager and sales manager out, that percentage is a lot higher. It, uh, yeah, it, so, it would probably go higher. And, but but the, the, here's the challenge with that is, so when you, are, when you have a department that's very profitable yeah. in your dealership mm -hmm. and you count on for bottom line profitability, in fact, it's a significant part of it, and you don't really... You, you have an understanding, of course. I don't, want to, I don't want to give the impression that a dealer doesn't understand what's going on in their dealership. No, no, no. I, I think they know. But what you said to your point is they're looking at the bottom line. They're looking at the dollars. I call this the, and everyone's heard me say this on the podcast before, is I call it the full belly syndrome. Yep. It, it's always a matter where we're consistently asking the question of how much money we made, not how much money could we have made. Yeah. It, it, and so it's just we get satisfied with this older process that continues to develop, you know, between a thousand or two thousand dollars you know in the yeah. back end probably close to a thousand it's hard to be hungry but, yeah. when you're full it, it is right you know so and but you guys are changing that and and the cool thing is that as a company you guys are committed to working with the dealerships one-on-one -on -one, you know to start setting that up now you've had the opportunity to be in a lot of dealerships correct so i'm sure that you have seen this done successfully where the oh, process absolutely. has not absolutely. necessarily been developed for us our own attentions but developed for the customer. I mean, not to, what not does to, that look like? Well, not to do like a SimTech plug, but that's what we do. Yeah. Basically, that's what we do. So we do what's called the profit gap. You can do analysis. a plug. It's cool. We don't mind. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I need a T-shirt. So that's that's what we do. we do a profit gap analysis, and the profit gap analysis is basically us analyzing the current processes of the dealership and comparing it to what comparing it to what's possible. So what we oh, want like to make that. sure, for example, we will look at uh, processes and replace them with alternatives that will perform better. Mm -hmm. And and it's all about the customer. That's the interesting part. Our, we're all about being customer focused, fully compliant, full transparency, um, and efficiency. <coughs> and efficiency, which is like, you can't have an F and I process that's going on for an hour. It just can't. You can't do that today. No, no, no. Um, Thirty minutes tops, and, and an efficient one. That's that's covering all the benefits to the customer and allowing them to have choices and options. And, and that's kind of the focus. Well, let's, let's talk about that F and I process sure. because um, this traditional cherry on the top concept, mm -hmm. this last. Hoorah! Um, I, I didn't. I, I don't personally believe in it, but I want to know your kind of thoughts. Like, I, I think it's something that has to be the process has to be throughout the entire sales process, and it starts incredibly early on, all the way to just the presenting of the vehicle. But why? Why in the hell do we save it for this last hoorah? You know? Yeah. Well, that goes back. That's why I did the little history lesson. Yeah. Because it really goes back to the the the, the origin origination of F and I is an upsell. Mm -hmm. So as simple as when you buy a suit or you buy a shirt, I want a tie. 
right? Or the cufflinks, yeah, yeah. You got it. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's where it came from. So of course that tradition stayed on and stayed on and stayed on. But then the products went from being three or four products to, like I said, there, there's a combined amount. If you count all the F&I products that you could sell, there's like 15 of them. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking insane. back when I was thinking like 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah 15. It's, it's an insane oh. amount. I mean, you're just not going to offer the customer 15 products efficiently. Uh, that's why a needs assessment is important. And that's why yeah. an approach of, of a customer-focused approach with a more prescriptive type of approach is, is, impo is more important than going in and just hawking F&I product, right? Mm -hmm. But to your point, um, you know, why is that? Why, why, is, why are we so focused on what we want to sell to the customer and yeah. not on what's best for the customer? That's where it comes from. We've been tr doing that for, for uh, years and traditions, but it's time for that to change now. 100%. Because now the customer with digitization and with the ability to go and research their own information, to be able to go and, and ask and want to be in more control, they're going to take that over anyway. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to the other theme of the presentation, which was you can be the disruptor or you can get disrupted. And one of the things, and I hope it came across well without yeah. offending a technology company, but if I'm a car dealer and there's a technology company that exists and is taking my customers away from me or my potential market away from me just because they can give that customer a better experience, honestly, I got to wake up and I got to fix that. Mm -hmm. Because we have whole industries that exist now because the experience of the customer's perspective in the dealership isn't where it needs to be. So now they exist and they're taking over that experience and then the dealer just becomes a distribution uh, outlet for a vehicle. So manufacturers have actually headed that direction. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, can't say I blame them in some cases, to be uh, honest with you. And I know that point. sounds horrible, no, it's but it's point. just... I, bringing I, up a good point. I can't say I blame them you for doing that direction. You have to why they're doing it. Yeah. And you're right. Manufacturers and OEMs are very interested working with the dealer network. Okay? Yeah. But very interested in ensuring a great experience for the customer, not only as it pertains to the vehicle, but as it pertains to the F&I product as well. Of course. And this is why you have to look at this. You remember I mentioned in the, in the presentation, F&I is not a person and it's not an office. No. Okay. Do you have a person in an office selling F&I? Sure. But your strategy for F&I needs to be encompassed on the overall offering of your entire dealership and the life cycle of your customer. Yeah. Because why are you not selling F&I in the service department or as part of a, a campaign uh, when people's warranties are run, running out. Yeah, it's it's like we have this very singular approach to it. And, right. you know, we, we bucket into one space. You know, I, um, I have a BDC for hire. And I don't ever really talk much about it. In fact, actually, we were talking about it earlier. Sure. I don't really talk much about what I actually do for a company at all. So much so, a lot Someone of you guys actually, don't even yeah, don't even know what I do. Jason and ask him, yeah, ask him what he does. Jason, what do you actually do other than but, you dominate LinkedIn everywhere? So yeah, that's yeah, that, that that's true. But but you know, I, I do. I have a BDC for a BDC. For, you know, we do right around fifteen to twenty thousand phone calls a month, and one of my favorite phone calls is customers' warranty are about to expire. Hmm. And it is a campaign that is incredibly beneficial to the customer. Absolutely. Because if they're going to keep it. Absolutely. It, 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 is, it literally is as simple as just reaching out to the customer and saying, your warranty is about to expire. Were you aware of that? Yep. No, I wasn't. Or yes. It, right. it's, it's, you know, that's fine. Do you plan on keeping the vehicle for the next few years? Yep. You know, if you don't, hey, we can talk about that too. But, um, but, but if you do. you're providing a service though. Yes. It's like we got to educate them saying, you In do fact, have some you're options. you a disservice if you don't call them. That's where I look at it too. Absolutely. Is if you don't take the time to actually, because uh, then what? Because you know what happens. Oh, yeah. Three years, and you're, you're a little. You're you got three and a half years, mm -hmm. and you're twenty-five thousand k over your warranty. Yep. That's when something happens. Absolutely. You know. And then they come into the dealership. <laughs> they're not happy because nope. they don't want to pay the money. 
they probably may even want to trade in the car, maybe, maybe not, depending on the cost. But if they had an opportunity to extend their ownership of the vehicle, and that was an option that you had provided, then you're providing a further service. And then there's also retention, there's the loyalty, there's devotion to the dealership. They understand, that, you see, when you can teach a customer that there's an actual cycle to how they keep buying from you, yes, and you can walk them down that path, right? Funny thing happens, they keep buying from you. But if you don't, if yeah. you fragment the whole process, if you fragment it and you cut it into all little chunks and pieces, where the sales representative is just selling the car, the F&I manager is just selling F&I, mm -hmm. and then the service department is just servicing cars, and you don't put all of those things together in a nice framework that the customer understands and is being served uh, constantly with, then you're, you're not going to benefit from keeping that customer. No, 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 no. And, and you did a great job of illustrating that day. Thank you. Uh, you know, when you were discussing about the roller coaster of emotions. Correct. In the process. It, through the process. Right. Because there is. And it's one of the things that I, I, just, I can't stand and it drives me. And I sometimes when, in my own, when I had my dealership, it keep me up at night. It was just, you know, it's just this constant how how much friction there is yeah. to purchase. There's so much friction in purchasing a car. It's like, well, well, Jason, it's so gotta, damn difficult. I got to tell you something. This is the one thing. So you're 100% right from the customer's perspective, right? Yes. Yes. We, but we also see it from the F&I manager's perspective. So we see them uh, literally trying to deal with processes that are old, that yes. they've been taught, because they don't know any different, uh, confrontations that they don't enjoy. So it's an important point. F&I managers don't go into a customer, a TO, with a customer thinking, some of them don't enjoy it. They really don't. They're doing it because they have a job and they need to make money. See, that, I think that's the fundamental problem though. We actually have to stop looking at our F&I office as a profit center and look at it as a customer service center. Absolutely. It is. Like, and, and I think if dealerships took that approach, yep. and if F&I managers took that approach, it's saying that, you know, I'm going to do my customer justice by reviewing their options. If I don't, all right, then I'm not doing my job You're as customers. Job. I'm not doing my job in customer service. Right. But we're just so fixated on the profitability of it. Well, and we also feel like the customer is going to say no. I was going down this road earlier, just real quick, about the mm -hmm. difference between the U.S. and Canada. Mm, yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why very few uh, dealers and general managers and sales managers understand the F&I process, and let me rephrase that, know their own F&I process, why only very few do, mm -hmm. is because in Canada, uh, there's, not a, there's not a career path um, to become a, a sales manager or a general manager through F&I. In the U.S., there mm, is. So this is an sense. important piece. So yep, yeah. the, the U.S. have a much better understanding of this, and so do general managers and dealers and sales managers, because in order for you to become a sales manager in the U.S. predominantly, you had to have done F&I. Where well, in Canada, in fact, even in my dealership, you had to be industry. a service manager too. Like you actually couldn't move into there that upper role until you actually understood. You know, I mean, what when. I remember, I remember um, my sales manager getting incredibly upset when I told him I was going to leave sales yep. and I was going to go be a service advisor. Okay. In fact, actually, the words he used were very yeah. specific four-letter four words, words. Yeah. Um, that was like, like what are you yeah. thinking? <laughs> you know, you're going to walk away from the yeah. six-figure income to go, you know, make 45 or 55% less? Yeah. You know, but it was, I, I had a goal, like I wanted to be a DP. I had, I needed to educate myself on every single so space out there. Plan. I had a very long-term plan. And that was the key. You know, but, but you're right though, you're right. In Canada, it's like you just become an FI manager and there doesn't seem well, to be- We hire there people from banks, we yeah. hire people from insurance. And don't get me wrong, some of them do fantastic, okay? Yeah. Proper training and support. Uh, but at the end of the day, they don't know, the, they don't necessarily understand the sale of a vehicle. 
and they don't necessarily understand the other elements that are involved. So what happens is um, then, then in sales departments, we have the salesperson get promoted to become a sales manager because mm -hmm. they were the top salesperson or they were really good with the team. So we promote them. I still don't understand they, that process. Were, I, I, know, really, I really actually, don't I understand one, that one. I got one for you like this. <laughs> the other day I was in a dealer and I remember having a chat with him and he said, um, we had talked about a new F&I manager that they were putting in place and they said, you know, I need, I need them trained. And I said, perfect, well, you know, we'll set that up for you. And I said, where did he come from? He goes, well, he came from our sales floor. I said, oh, okay, great. And he goes, yeah, he wasn't really good there, so we thought we'd try him in F&I. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, okay. So, so he wasn't really great <coughs> as a salesperson, but now we're going to put him into probably the most profitable uh, office that you need to work in your dealership. Yep. So the mindset is even almost like an afterthought. Well, it is because it's the last hoorah. Correct. Like it, it's just, Correct. it is the, or what's the other one I really it's, like? It's the, the, the last kick of the, the can. I don't actually know where that saying comes from, but yeah, it's yeah. the last kick of the can. Yeah. Um, I know, you got to look that up. I know, I actually, I got yeah. thinking about that because yeah. I, I say it a lot. I don't know where it is. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes we go squirrel. One point. Click here to know what kick of the can comes Yeah, I know, from right? Um, but F&I shouldn't be that way. So, you know, yep. what would you say if you were to give three best practices? Yep. All right. You know, there's a lot of dealerships out there listening to this right now. There's there's owners, there's managers, there's F&I managers that are listening to this. Yep. You know, what would be those three best practices that you would say, like, here's where you could really make a change right now and just see some huge ROI on those efforts? So I'm going to put them in three categories. I'm going to okay. give you three techniques, and they're going to be in three categories. The first one's going to be mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I'm going to go strategy and technique. So okay. first one's mindset. You got to change the mindset that F and I is a person in an office. Okay, mm -hmm. F and I needs to be communicated to the sales team. They need to understand the the benefits of the product, and they need to understand and, de and be demonstrated the process that their customer is going to go through. Mm -hmm. If you're not following a hybrid model, there's also hybrid models where the sales representatives are doing the F and I. Okay, and that's today. That's available with proper technology, proper presentation, very doable. We do it. Yep. So. I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying go do hybrid models. What I'm saying is it's based on the philosophy of your dealership and how you want to run it. You want one person, you want two. That's your choice. We do both anyway. But my point is you have to change the mindset that F&I is not a person in an office. It's a piece that needs to play a part. Products on your website. It needs to play a part uh, as far as communicated so to your staff. A holistic approach. 100%. Like it's everywhere. A it's an Parts, overall service. solution. Yeah. And okay. what happens though, Jason, this is, happens all the time, is we jam the customer in a high payment on a car, right? Yep. With no F&I protection products, and then we, we try to do whatever we can to upsell beyond that uh, after the fact. Yep. And that whole model is broken because that's why customers have high levels of resistance and they're not happy with the F&I process. Sure. So the first, the first thing I want to leave a takeaway is the mindset. F&I is not an office, it's not a person, it's more than that, okay? Not taking any away from that F&I manager. But no, 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 I, I completely agree with you. It has to be part of your overall strategy. It has to be a part of every strategy Absolutely. in some cases. Like, it, it can't just be an island. Like I think you used right. that word before. It can't just be an island out there on its own. Yeah. Like, it needs to be collectively a part of the entire team. You got it. And the more understanding people have, the better. And, and of course, there's going to be a lot of people out there saying, yeah, but I don't want my salespeople talking about it on the floor, and I don't. Listen, I get that part. There are techniques I don't. that go with it. I'm not, I, I don't get that part, no, but right? I, I get their fear. <laughs> their fear is that they're going to have people running around rampant trying to sell F&I product. And well, then train them for crying out you loud. Exactly. You know, develop them out so exactly. that they become educators and not that's salespeople. It. they got to be advocates. they yep. got to understand that there's a solution for their customer that's more than just a vehicle. Mm -hmm. So, number one. The second thing, strategy-wise, is look at your process. Okay? I put up a slide up there that said, would you buy from you? 
at the end of the day, if you haven't sat in the chair, if you haven't sat across from your FNI manager and sat and said, okay, sell me some total loss protection, sell me a service of mechanical breakdown protection, show me what you say to customers. Now, don't get me wrong, okay, dealers out there, um, if you sit with your F&I manager and ask them to sell you something, yeah, are they going to freak out a little bit? No question about yeah. it. Yeah, the, the little sweat on the brow might show maybe. up. Are they going to do know? something that they're they gonna... probably don't normally do anyway? <laughs> maybe. But at least you're going to get a flavor or at least an idea of what they can say and what they're saying to your customers. And it's, I think it's a crucial piece. And I, I would tell you that that piece in itself, um, in fact, I'll share another piece with you. So one other, on that same strategy, so we mm-hmm. have the mindset, now the strategy. The other thing I will say is, under the strategy side is, it's going to sound strange, but we do it all the time. Sit in on a TO. Oh yeah, with, sitting with in your, on it with, with the F and I manager. I actually remember my old dealership that we actually had cameras located in the room there so that go. we could actually just you know listen in on yeah, yeah. you know and as long as um, people were signed off. On it, as, it, as, as long as people were good. signed off on yeah. it. But it, you know what though, um, you're kind of talking about role playing, right? And 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 there ha- and that's a part of your stretch. But if you but if you sit in if you do a sit in on an actual customer turnover, what I'm saying, you'll see you'll see what actually you happens. You'll see what actually happens. But what I find is like, okay, so I remember when I first started selling cars, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I worked at a GM dealership, you know, right in college, you know, showed up, and what at the point in time I thought my first sales manager was like the biggest dick in the world, right? And because we had a meet and greet that we had to say verbatim every single day yep. and every single time <laughs> we met with a customer. Yep. And in fact, if we couldn't, first thing in the morning during our morning meeting, if we couldn't do the meet and greet verbatim, we got sent home that day. Now in the States, you could do shit like that. In Canada, I don't think you can get away with that. <laughs> but it was just like, nope, you didn't come prepared today, go yeah, home. So go home. All right, other people go will home, be. Go home and learn. But it, now since I'm older and I got more experience, sure. I could see what the tremendous amount of value in doing that was is that all these dry runs got to the point where I when I when it was in real time and I was in front of the customer, yep. it was just like riding a bike. You know, and but the other thing too is it made those efforts consistent. And through consistency and efforts we can measure all right our processes and start Absolutely. to adjust to make them better. But we don't do that enough. We don't sit there and role play and really to commit to it. our craft, all right? Nobody likes scoring, nobody likes role playing. Um, just a real quick story. I was in a group with a, a group of uh, salespeople and uh, business managers, and uh, we were talking about uh, using words verbatim and all that kind of stuff. And they mm-hmm. said, uh, one person said, "Why well, don't we don't? I don't like scripts." I said, "Okay, no problem." And another person said the same thing. Well, yeah, I'm not really big on scripts either. I said, "Okay." I said, "Do you mind if I ask you a question?" They said, "No." I said, "Well, if I came into the store today and I pointed at the car and I said, that's the car I want. What's your best price?" Excuse me. What do you say? And they sat there and they went, "Well." And, and it started off kind of, it started off, well, I guess the first thing I would say is, you know, is this the car you want? And, uh, you know, I, I'll check availability mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. I said, okay, no problem. And I moved to the next one. I said, same thing. I said, I want this car. What's your best price? And he says, well, yeah, I guess it would be like, you know, we check availability and, and you know, if you're willing to do business today, I'm, and we talked to my manager and that. And I go, it's interesting. I said, you just said something very similar to what this other person just said, correct? I said, so let me ask you a question. Is that not in essence a script? Yeah. And is it the most effective one? Yeah. It may not be. I said, so scripts are really important. And the, the thing you're going to realize is you do use them anyway. Yep. You do say the same things over and over again, but they may not be the most effective things to say. I call it standardization. Uh, so when I talk with my work with my, BD team, my BDC, I'm like, we don't use scripts. All right. 
We standardize. It's a good alternative. We standard we standardize our efforts. Got it. Uh, but but actually, that's what it is. You're right. Right. We're You're standardizing our right. efforts that we can actually measure the effectiveness of our efforts. Sure. Right. If it's not standardized, and I got seven salespeople out there, or five different F and I managers presenting the same products in five in totally different ways, yep. how the hell am I ever going to find, you know, effectiveness? It's like why do you have five people selling the exact same product, but they're their, their effectiveness of selling it, it vastly changes, all right? You right. gotta standardize it, you, you know, it. so that you can continue to make it better. You got it. But it all I comes down to strategy. Standardization. It, it, it's a strategy. The it creates consistency. Yeah. Because that's the other thing I mentioned <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the program is, I was in a, an office where three business managers had three completely different processes. Yeah. So that customer's experience in those offices are completely different depending on which one you get, right? Every process in a dealership should be something that's documented and, being, and you should be able to point at it. So my, last, so my last piece, so real quick, mindset, the second thing was strategy. Mm -hmm. The last technique I'll teach is the simplest technique that pays tons of dividends. And, it's, and it can be done if you step sell, if you do use a menu presentation, it doesn't matter. And that is when the customer's ready, when the customer's purchased the vehicle, mm -hmm. okay, and it's finished, whether you're an F&I manager or whether the sales representative is doing the F&I portion, I will say with the F&I manager coming out from their office, okay, not having the customer come to their office, okay? Coming, I think we might pick that up. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure. Yeah. But having the F&I manager come out of their office and, and greet the customer at the sales representative's desk, okay? But not just to greet them, to escort them into an office. Greet them, ask permission to sit, and sit for about two to three minutes and ask them key pertinent questions to the deal that are mixed in with standard questions. Yeah. Simple stuff. Like for example, for ownership purposes, the information on your on your driver's license accurate, stuff like that. Yeah, of course. But but sitting there and finding out the needs of the customer is so crucial and easy, and yet it's a it's a warm call. So by the time that customer now moves into your office, it's a warm call, it's not a cold call. For and sure. Now you built rapport and you brought down that resistance, right? That technique on its own would gain you uh, more trust and will actually cause the customer to listen to your presentation a lot better than if you didn't do that. Of course. Customers are nervous. They don't, I showed it on the chart. F&I is the worst experience in the dealership as far as, from their, as, far as they're concerned. Well, because there's just so much, there's all this emotion and this buildup and then you sign on the dotted line, but whoa, wait a second. We have another hour that we're going, we're going to get that right. last kick at the can. That's I right. really got to look that That's up. Right. Um, you know, to try to do that. What we would actually do is, I hate the test drive portion. Okay. okay. So I hate leaving my customer alone at any given time. Even sure. as a salesperson, it was one of the things I always feared. Yep. I just didn't like leaving them alone, you know? And it was great because at our dealership, they supported that. They actually had a lot more, so we'd actually could call in, and then we never had to leave, right? Perfect. But in the, so the car in the pulled up type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. But, but in Canada, that's not always the case because we don't have as many personnel. So here's right. what I found. A good thing for F&I managers, kind of what you were talking about there, is when the salesperson has to leave the customer mm -hmm. to go find keys. Correct. I always thought it was a great time to then bring the F&I manager in because the sales the customer's going to sit there anyways for five, six, seven minutes while they're locating the car or they have to go dig it out of the snow and it's three it's cars a, deep. Meet and this it's person anyway at some point in time. So why, why not meet a person you're going to meet later on anyway? Do an introduction. Is that what you mean? Yeah. 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 And it really Absolutely. what it is, is like, oh, so you're looking at this car? You know what? That's a great great vehicle you know just really building up sure. and their confidence in the purchase you know with a little you know you're planting the seed sure. you know kind of here and there 
But again, then afterwards you're meeting the same person. Oh, hey, hey, John, how's it going again? So yeah, everything worked out well. I'm glad I get to see you yeah. again now, right? And what you're talking about there, though, Jason, is the same thing of the whole theme, and that is getting F and I to be engaged in the whole process, not yes. an afterthought, and that's the key. Yeah. I think that's the key. If there's one thing you want to get out of this whole day or, or for this is, number one, things are changing. Yes. Your customer's changing. You hear this all the time, I know, but you have to go be your customer. Go sit and be your own customer sometime. And uh, you just have to acknowledge it. And you have to embrace that F&I is a lot more than just one afterthought step. And I mean that respectfully to all the business managers out there who work really, really hard. Yes. But And even them, they need the support and they need the processes and technology that can help them do a better job. And it's available to them right now. 100%. Yeah. Now, these, like, thank you, Derek, so much for taking the time no, to come pleasure. jam thank with you. me. This was um, I, I, guys, if you're out there listening, I, I think there was three amazing things here. Just to recap, the, the mindset, understand that F&I is a holistic approach, and it's not just a last kick of the can approach, right? And, you know, strategy. We don't spend enough developing out strategy and how we actually execute on those processes Absolutely. and what that strategy Which looks like. Right. And I love the third one. You know, let's get that FNI manager. Let's get them more involved much earlier in on that process. That little tiny thing, like you said, you've seen can actually bring the biggest ROI. Absolutely if you do one does. thing, guys, I think that's probably the best thing. Derek, thanks again, man, so much for taking the My time. Uh, for anybody out there who would like to connect with you and learn a little bit more about what SimTech does, what's the best way to connect? Actually, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect if uh, you go Derek Sloan, if you want to link up with me through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, I do have, uh, I, I, of course, uh, uh, Derek.Sloan at Simtech.ca as well. But really, just, uh, just uh, touch base with me through LinkedIn, and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions or anything else. Awesome. Thanks, man. Awesome. Really appreciate you. hanging with you. Same here. Thanks, Thanks. Jason.